You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Hey, good morning, North Valley. Pastor Ryan here. Uh, we are in a message series called Intentional Living. And I got to be honest, man, the first couple of weeks of teaching uh, here at the church, uh, but away from you, I thought, okay, I, I, I'm okay with this. But honestly, after the third week, I'm really starting to miss you guys. I'm really starting to just wish to have you all in one room, but we can't do that right now. In a time where there's social distancing, what we don't have to do is we don't have to be spiritually distant. We can be spiritually present together. So a couple of announcements before we get started today. I just wanted to remind you, uh, we've got a survey that's out right now called the Here to Help Survey. Um, we want to find out uh, who's in need in our congregation and maybe who's willing to help, uh, not only within the congregation, but also in the community. In the coming weeks ahead, we're going to be uh, launching a, a, a media uh, effort to try to understand and hear what how people are doing in the community. I want to encourage you to do that. Some of you have already filled out some assistance that you need and help, and we're processing that right now. So I want you to know if you did uh, request financial aid or some extra help, uh, some of you have already received that, and you will be receiving that coming soon. Additionally, I want to encourage you to pray with us. Uh, there's, a, there's a link on the bottom of the website, and it says pray with us. I want to encourage you to pray with us in this time. And then additionally, I mentioned last week as well, if you missed it, uh, the, the giving uh, opportunity, there's a $15,000 matching gift for all those that start or give above and beyond the regular giving online and reoccurring. That'll help us more intelligently plan in these financial times uh, where uh, many churches could be shutting their doors. North Valley is not stepping back. We're going to step forward. So I want to encourage you to do that if you have not done that. A number of you already did that. So thank you so, so much. And then a couple other things. Uh, communion. Maybe you're at home today thinking, I miss communion. And so go get some crackers, go get some juice before the, before the day's over. And uh, there's a worship video uh, that Joshua created on a playlist. Grab that and just do communion at home. And uh, on our website, there's a little guide on the program. You can download it and it gives you the at-home instructions for communion. And then uh, last but not least, Easter. Easter is next weekend. I want to encourage you to be a part and invite a bunch of friends uh, to join you online and to be a part of that special service. We're hopefully going to um, uh, provide some uh, special music as well. Uh, Joshua and the team uh, had an opportunity to go record uh, with the whole band. And so we're trying to get that ready for you uh, next week. So don't miss that opportunity. Well, hey, um, I want, I, the Bible says that uh, laughter is like medicine for the soul, and I love sharing a funny story, and I want to share with you one that happened just this week. Um, as I was kind of prepping for this message today, um, I was thinking about the Holy Spirit. I've been studying the Holy Spirit because we're talking about uh, living with more of God's Spirit and less stress in our life. And so, 
here I am walking the campus all alone because nobody's here, you know, and I'm like, Lord, I, I just, I, I remember the times in my life when I was in early as a Christian and I felt your presence more and God, I'm in a, in a difficult time now with all that's going on. I miss our church, our congregation. Uh, Lord, I want you to be fresh like you were in my early days. And I can remember when I first gave my life to Jesus Christ. I remember I was in the mountains of Colorado and I called out to God and I, I thought I was a Christian. I had gone to church, I'd been baptized and, I, and I, I saw my friends saying that they had this abundant life and I thought I didn't have that. And so I remember asking the Lord, uh, this is 18 years old. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, how come I don't have abundant life like all my friends do? And the Lord spoke to me, not audibly, but he said this, you never knew me. And I thought, that's not right. I, I go to church. I've been baptized. Like, I, that's not right. I, let me ask again. I said, Lord, how come, I, how come I've never experienced abundant life like everybody else is talking about around here? And the scripture came to my mind, whoever uh, finds his life must lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And I thought, holy smokes, I've got to lose my life. I've never lost my life. I've always been in control of my life. And I think that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. So in today, in preparation, I remember uh, just this last week, as I was walking the campus, I was getting this wisdom and understanding like, oh my gosh, I want that kind of spirit speaking to me right now, all the time in fresh and new ways. And so I'm walking the campus and you guys know I love my dog and I was with my dog, Zona, and we're just walking around and I said, Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit right now. Would you fill me up in a fresh new way like you did when I first came to faith in Jesus Christ? And just then as I was walking, I felt like the Lord said something to me and I stopped right there and I said, Lord, is that you? And, it's, and the Lord said these words, I kid you not, I promise you. He said, go pet your dog. And I said, what? You gotta be kidding me. This isn't the Lord. This is just some funny idea. And then all of a sudden, just like in the day when I first gave my life to Jesus Christ, the scripture came to my mind and it says, a righteous man cares for the welfare of his animals. So I'm like, all right, Lord, this is silly. And I hesitate to even tell you this. So then I go, Zona, come here, sweetie. And I call her. And then all of a sudden she comes to me. And just right then I bend down and I pet her. And I'm stroking her back. And all of a sudden, Okay, that part wasn't true, but the rest of it was true. And it's so funny, though, that the Lord does speak to us. And I tell you that just to get you to laugh. But today, what I want to do is I want to teach you how to enjoy God more. I want to teach you how to relax and be filled more with the presence and the peace of the Holy Spirit in the midst of a pandemic. You need to know that what you and I need more than ever is more of God's Spirit and less stress. Martin Luther, the great reformer, called it the great exchange. You can give God your sin and he'll give you righteousness. I want to call it the, the great trade. You can give God your stress and then he will give you his spirit. And so today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 5 verses uh, uh, 15 through 21. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up and we're going to jump into that. The Apostle Paul is going to give us uh, encouragement how we can live a life that's filled up with God's Spirit in less stress. 
And the reality is this, is that stress is a big deal today. Research indicates that more than 2.5 million people check themselves into the hospital every, every day for anxiety and stress. And this causes emotional, physical side effects. Um, why is that? It's because we're so overloaded. We have a pace overload. We eat too fast. We talk too fast. We walk too fast. We are information overload. We're struggling to concentrate because we're inundated with information all the time. We've lost the art of focus and concentration. And today, God's word wants to speak to us and break that overload pace and give us peace in the midst of a pandemic and give us more of God's spirit and less stress. We're overloaded with media news too. The average person's watching television more than 55 hours per week on an average time frame, perhaps right now even more than that. I think of Billy Graham. He said his one great regret in life was that he watched too much TV. The body is working hard and all the time and overtime. I don't know if you know this or not, but your heart beats 100,000 times a day. And that's about 35 million times a year. And it pumps about 1,500 to 2,000 gallons of blood in your body every single day. Your body is designed to work at a divine rhythm and pace. And what we need to realize is that in a time like this, we can be overloaded and our souls can be fatigued. And study after study has shown that what I'm gonna teach you today out of God's word will relieve anxiety, will reduce stress, and will improve your overall quality of life. So let's get to looking at the scriptures in Ephesians chapter Five, verses 15 through 21. In the, uh, to the letter that the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he says this. He says, look carefully then how you walk, not as the unwise, but as the wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. He uses that phrase, time. He says, Make the best use of the time. It's interesting, the Apostle Paul doesn't use the word time in the sense as we think. Um, as of a clock time or continuous time that is measured in hours, minutes, or seconds. That kind of time is in the Greek language called chronos. It's where we get the word chronology it's important to understand that's the kind of time that we typically think of this. But this is a different word usage the Apostle Paul is using to signify a time just like we are in. He uses a term in the original language to convey the idea of a season of time or a period of time. In the Greek, the word is kairos. And the word kairos is this idea that God has a set boundary of time set into place. And the church in Ephesus is about to go through their own crisis, their own onset of persecution throughout the Roman Empire. And the Apostle Paul is telling them, right now, you've got to make the best use of this time, this kairos moment in which God has set apart in a time frame and you need to live very intentionally. It's a time frame fixed by God. It's a sovereign decree. It's an executive order from God himself. He's issued for you and for me a given time for God's glory in the midst of a crazy time. He's, it's a fixed amount of time. You and I have a fixed amount of time in, in our 
natural life, we have our date of birth and our date of death. It's a fixed set time that God has in, in his realm of understanding and intentionality and purpose. And in this time, this COVID season crisis, there's a beginning and there's an end and there's a time that you and I are called to to make the best use of it. In a time where we are challenged to be socially distant, God speaks to you and to me and say, while that may be true, I want you to know I am spiritually present in your life. And perhaps now for every Christian around the world, they're going to experience more of God's presence as they rely on him. The, uh, the challenge is for us is that we need to make the best use of the time. So how do we do that? Let's continue to read. In verse 18, it says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to your heart. It's interesting that the Apostle Paul says that you should not get drunk with wine. Why is that? Why did he say that to the church in Ephesus? The context of the early church, many people in the ancient world believed that drunkenness could produce some sort of inspiration. I've heard people say before, well, if you don't like me sober, you, or if you, if, you, if you like me sober, wait till you see when I'm, when I'm drunk or I'm, I'm high and I'm all the more the life of the party. In the Greek context, in the early church context, that was actually true. It was a thought that you could be more inspirational and more animated if you were drunk. And the Apostle Paul says, hey, look, you Christians in Ephesus, you don't need to get drunk and filled up with alcohol in this time. You need to be filled with the Spirit. Many Christians in, the, in, that, in Ephesus worshipped a Roman god by the name of Bacchus. It was the son of Zeus. And they would throw these large parties to honor uh, what was called uh, Bacchanalia. Uh, it was a time of uh, honoring and revering the God of agriculture and wine. In today's culture, while we're not doing that, we are turning to alcohol instead of more of God's spirit. Uh, right now, there's been a spike and increase in alcohol sales by 300 to 500% for the delivery platforms and the ordering apps such as Drizzly. And globally, you need to know alcohol is, is killing uh, millions of people. Uh, millions of people every year die of alcohol-related deaths. In 2012 alone, 3.3 million people died. And men uh, were nearly double that number that the women were. The Bible says that uh, drunkenness is a sin. And drunkenness is disastrous. Uh, there's in when you read the Bible and you read about drunkenness, you find uh, it has disastrous consequences such as incest, violence, adultery, mockery, poverty, hallucinations, foolish behavior, murder, vomiting, staggering, madness, shamefulness, and laziness. In summary, drunkenness is a it produces death and misery. And so the Apostle Paul says, You Christian. You've got to live different. You don't want to be filled up with that right now. What you need to do is you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says that there will be this result. It'll result in singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing and making melody in your heart. 
there's this reality research shows that study after study says that when you sing, it actually relieves anxiety and it improves and contributes to the quality of life. Additionally, group singing is even better. Uh, It's been scientifically proven to reduce stress and relieve anxiety and to uh, elevate endorphins. Contextually speaking, both the Greeks and the Jews commonly believed that music would come by inspiration. And so therefore, they were always tempted to take the alcohol and go sing in the taverns, in the banquet halls. And, And in the early church, they thought, well, let's get a little loaded and then let's go sing. And the Apostle Paul says, hold up, you're doing it the wrong way. That's not how you need to live in a crazy time. You need to be filled up with God's spirit. And these spiritual songs would have been spontaneous songs where people are just breaking out with praise and joy as they're filled up with God's Holy Spirit. And look as a result, it says in verse 20, it says, and then we're giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So here's the reality. This is what I want to focus in on. I want us to take a closer look at the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Number one, you need to know this about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity, The word Trinity is never found in the Bible, though the idea is represented by the word taught in many places. The word Trinity means triunity or three in oneness, and it's used to summarize the teachings of Scripture that God is three persons, yet one God. But from the very beginning of Scripture, when we open up our Bibles in Genesis chapter 1, we find out that the whole Trinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the plurality of who God is, is at work in the creation for humanity. In Genesis 1.26, it says, And let us make man in our image. That word us is plural. Some people say that refers to angels or it refers to something else. No, it doesn't. Uh, In the beginning in John's gospel was the logos and the logos was with God. There's an indication from the Old Testament to the New Testament that the Trinity has always been present. The Holy Spirit, the one we're going to be looking at today to give us more of God's Spirit and less stress, has always been present in the Scriptures. In in Matthew's Gospel, when Jesus gives the commission to the great disciples, he indicates this Trinitarian thought as well and says that the mark of a Christian disciple is one who is baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then earlier we had read in, in, the, in the, the epistle from the apostle Peter, Ephesians chapter four, verse six, that there's one spirit, there's one Lord, that is Jesus, and one God, our Father. So from beginning to end in our Bible, the Holy Spirit is present. Three truths about the Holy Spirit. Number one, there is one God. Uh, From the very beginning to the very end, that is the communication that we are given. There's one God, yet God is three persons. And you're saying to me, wait a second, I thought you just said he's one God. I did. And then he is three persons as well. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, by the way, is perhaps the most active and involved in your everyday life. And then the last truth in the Trinity is that each are fully God. The Holy Spirit is not a force. He's not a ghost. He's a person. He is God and he is 
fully God. And so you say to me, Ryan, I don't know if I can understand that. I get it. Many of you have been out to California before and you've seen those giant sequoia trees. When those things are fully grown, they're the largest trees in the world and they weigh up to 2.7 million pounds and they stand 275 feet high or 300 foot high when they're fully grown. And they are more than, a, at times, 100 feet wide at their base. And you say to me, that's big. Imagine you saying, I'm gonna go wrap my arms around a giant sequoia. It ain't happening. Unless you're Mr. Fantastic or Elastigirl or Miss Incredible, you're not wrapping your arms around that. It's the same way with the Trinity. You can't fathom it. You can't put your mind around it. We live in a three-dimensional world. God operates in a fourth dimension that you and I can't understand. Every analogy about the Trinity that you've heard falls short. The Bible gives all sorts of analogies about the Christian life, but not one for the Trinity. So what do you do? It's like walking up to that sequoia. You go, it's just too big. I can't wrap my arms around it. But one day we will. When we meet Jesus face to face, we can understand the complexity of the Trinity. Second truth for us to take a closer look at the Holy Spirit is this, is that the Holy Spirit is here to help. He's here to help you and me. The Holy Spirit is here to help you. In John's gospel, he writes this, records Jesus saying, he says, Jesus speaks up and he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth that it is to your advantage that I go away for I do not go, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him. He says it's to your advantage. What does that mean? He means you're better off. You're better off that the Holy Spirit is continually, consistently active in your life. Right now, more than ever, you need this, this parakletos, this helper in your life. This parakletos in the Greek is the advocate. It's the intercessor. It's the encourager. When you're discouraged, you need help from the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said it's better that he leaves and he sends his Holy Spirit to be more permanently present in the life of the believer than he stay. And so, we find that the Holy Spirit is here to help. So how does the Holy Spirit help? I'll give you a historical pattern on the, how the Holy Spirit helps. Number one, the Holy Spirit reveals. Before you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit was there. He was the one helping you come to faith in Jesus Christ. You think God was not present in your life? Yes, he was. What led you to Jesus Christ was the Holy Spirit winning you, wooing you, drawing you to him. Watch what it says in John's gospel, the next verse. He says, and when he comes, and when he comes, that's a distinctive time frame at Pentecost when God's Holy Spirit flooded the church and runs loose all over the world in a powerful and a new way. He says he will convict the world. That's unbelievers. He says he will convict the world and that another word for convict means to expose or to reveal. So the Holy Spirit was there before you ever believed in Jesus Christ. And what was he doing? He was revealing to you that Jesus was the better way. He was revealing to you that you needed to trust in Jesus Christ. Right now, maybe you're watching this and you're thinking, I'm feeling convicted. I'm feeling exposed. I need Jesus. Yep, that's the Holy Spirit. He's revealing to you your great need. He says that he will convict the world concerning what? Sin. 
and righteousness and judgment. So he's the one who shows you what's right. He's the one who shows you what is, what's wrong. He helps you in this. In verse nine, concerning sin again, because they do not believe. And the Holy Spirit's always been there. I can look back at my life and I think God wasn't there. God wasn't there in my life. Yeah, he was. God was there. God was the one who led me through the power of the Holy Spirit to say, Ryan, your ways are lame. You need to trust Jesus Christ. You don't have abundant life. Who was that that day in, in Colorado when I cried out to God? How come I don't know you? That was the Holy Spirit. What did he do? He revealed my need for, for Jesus Christ. He showed me that my life was a dead end and it was, it was a broken down and I needed to be built back up. I, got it, I had to hand over the direction to my life and the Holy Spirit showed me that. The Holy Spirit reveals. Secondly, the Holy Spirit seals you got a great helper. you got a great protector. you got a great provider. The Holy Spirit seals. According to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, he says, In him, when you heard the word of truth, that's when you believed in Jesus or you heard the gospel preached, the gospel of your, what, salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That word seal is a guarantee or security. It's showing, it's showing individual ownership, that God owns you. And so you and I, we have a guaranteed security that we're going to be safe, that God will always preserve us, that we will experience eternal life, that nothing can be taken away from us, that we have an assurance of our salvation. Why? Because we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. This word, this encouragement gives me great hope that no matter if I face death, to be uh, absent from the body means to be what? present with the Lord. We're sealed and we're secure and there's ownership. It's an indication in ownership. And the apostle Paul uses this as, as, as they would, in the Roman culture, they would stamp a, an official signia in wax to show a seal of ownership or, or security or a guarantee. Or when the tomb of Jesus was covered, it was sealed. You and I are sealed by the Holy Spirit, but that's not all. This is the best part. The Holy Spirit fills. Ephesians 5.18 says, do not get drunk with wine. Don't, don't fill yourself up with wine. But for that is debauchery, but be filled. That's a present tense imperative that we're to do this. It means to be filled. It means to make yourself full. It means to cause or to abound, to supply liberally. Another uh, uh, interpretation of that word is to render full or to fill to the top. And it's something that you can't do on your own, although you must be involved in this. What does it mean to be filled? I've written out a definition as best I understand it from reading the scriptures from the Old Testament to the New Testament. To be filled with the Holy Spirit means to be filled with the immediate presence and the power of God himself in the ordinary and extraordinary times of life, I put the times of life in there because the apostle Paul just said, make the best use of your time. That's what he said. And then he tells you how you're gonna do it. You're gonna be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's getting an immediate sense of God's presence and his power in ordinary and extraordinary times of life. And what is the goal? The goal is to help you to live more intentionally a life that looks more and more like Jesus. Let me ask you a question. Do you think God wants you to look more and more like Jesus? Yes, he does. In Ephesians chapter one, the apostle Paul said, hey, he chose you, God chose you in him before the foundations of the world so that we should be what? Holy. And in Ephesians chapter five, he starts out and he says, therefore be what? Imitators of God. You and me, our goal is to reflect the love of Jesus Christ. When people see us, they need to see the love of God in our lives. Additionally, in Ephesians 5.15, he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as the unwise, but as the wise. The goal of being filled by the Holy Spirit, friends, is holiness, is to have a greater measure of holiness in your life. So I need you to know a disclaimer. This doesn't happen uh, just accidentally. It doesn't just happen if you do nothing, and it's not automatic either. And you say to me, why do you say that? Because the apostle Paul told them, these are believers, after the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's already been poured out in the book of Acts, you see that, and now he's telling them, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the question comes is, how do you become filled with the Holy Spirit? Some people in the charismatic circle say you have to speak in tongues, and if you speak in tongues, it's a sign that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't think that's a good idea to think like that. I don't think the Bible is consistent in teaching that at all, but we must be filled with the Holy Spirit um, if we are going to intentionally live more and more like Jesus Christ. So how do you do that? Number one, you ask your heavenly Father to fill you with the Holy Spirit, In John's gospel, he says this. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. That word abide means that you're to remain or to stay or to literally take up residence with God. So there's an intentional act that we must do and we see consistent in scripture that we, when we're spending time with God and we are in alignment with God in accordance with God, we can ask what we want. And so why couldn't we ask for God to fill us up more of the Holy Spirit? And why wouldn't he want to do that? I'll show you in scripture that we have this confidence that we can ask God of things. In 1 John 5, 14, it says, and this is the confidence that we have towards him that if we ask anything, According to his will, he hears us. That means that he pays attention, that he listens, and that he accepts our, our request. He hears those things that we say. And in Luke's gospel, chapter 11, verse 13, he says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And you say to me, Okay, what does that mean? Does it mean give the Holy Spirit? Did Jesus mean that he give the Holy Spirit at the time of Pentecost? No, I I don't think so. Because later in in Luke's gospel, he talks about the Holy Spirit as a source and a guide. And in John's gospel, he talks about we need the Holy Spirit to guide us and to give us counsel. 
And so I think we have uh, 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 need to create a picture in our, mind for, in our mind that God the Father right now says, I want you to ask me for more of the Holy Spirit in your life right now because I want you to live more and more like Jesus. I think the Apostle Paul in the contextual understanding of the Christians in Ephesus was saying, you're called to be holy. You've got to be imitators of Jesus Christ. Here's how you're going to do it. You're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then these things are going to begin flowing out of that filling of the Holy Spirit. Here's what you need to know. You, you need to ask your heavenly father to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Ask and expect answers. Some of you have asked me in times past, are some people more full of the Holy Spirit than others? And I would say, I think so. Because if you think back to the book of Acts and you think about this guy named Stephen, it says that they were picking out church leaders for the, for the church and, and they were given this command, pick out among you from seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom. And then in Acts chapter six, verse five, they say, and they chose Stephen. And then they clarify he was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts chapter 11, we see Barnabas and Barnabas is there and he was said to be a good man and he was full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. So how should we ask? I think we should ask continually. I think every day, I, I think it's, it, we should ask God, I, I need you to fill me up in the ordinary and the extraordinary times of my life. You need to know, he's never departed from you. He's never left you. You're sealed, but are you filled to the fuller measure? We should ask continually. We should ask daily and ongoingly. And you need to know, friends, I I don't think this is, is easy to do. I do think it's possible but if, you, if you've spent time with some believers, you just sense there's a greater level of joy and peace and, and you enjoy their fellowship and friendship. And why is that? I think it's because they're continually seeking to be in the presence of God, being filled with the Holy Spirit. So how should we do this? Is it just simply, number one, that we should ask the Father to fill us? I think it's also, number two, that we need to spend time in the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul says this to the church in Rome. He says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, that's you and me, we ought to be living according to the Spirit, set their minds on things of the Spirit. Let me tell you what that word set means. The word set means to ponder. It means that you have a mindset to ponder to dwell, to keep on thinking about, to keep your attention upon, to stay fixed upon someone or something. What the Apostle Paul says, Christians, you ought to be setting your mind continually, consistently on the the, the things of the Spirit of God. And in doing so, we've got to spend time with the Holy Spirit, asking God to fill us up and to encourage us. I think our greatest threat perhaps in for spending time with God is maybe it's uh, technology, maybe it's media, maybe it's news, maybe it's the urgent things, but are they the most important things? There's a difference between urgent and important. Urgent is right before you and you should do it, but it's not always important and should you really do it? 
I think of in, in Luke's gospel when he tells the story of uh, Jesus coming to uh, Mary and Martha's house. And the Bible says is that when Jesus showed up, Martha was so excited about Jesus being there. It says that she was distracted with serving. It was a good thing. She wanted a clean house and good food for her Lord. I mean, she'd heard all about Jesus and her life had been impacted in some way and she, she wanted to give her best. And then she grew resentful because her sister Mary is just sitting over in the living room at the feet of Jesus and Jesus is teaching and encouraging. And then Jesus says to Martha, 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 you're anxious and you're troubled about many things. And the one thing that Mary has done is the good thing and it's not gonna be taken from her. My concern in a time like this is that you, you, you busy yourself with urgent things and they seem to be good things, but they're not the greatest thing. You've got to focus more on the person of Jesus Christ than the problems that are all around you right now. You need to focus more on the presence of the Holy Spirit than the pandemic that you find in the news it's all around us. Some of you are distracted by news and media and kids and some of those more than others and some of you, all of them, all at the same time. And we've seemed to have lost the art of concentration and we're inundated with information and you need to know that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person and he's present right now with you when you rise in the morning, when you go through your day, when you lay down at night, he is present. And imagine if you took off a day from work and you said, hey, family, let's go spend time together. I want to dedicate all my time to you today. But then you get to the lake or you get to the hiking trails and you get to where you're going. And instead of spending time with your family, you're on your phone the whole time. And then your kids say to you or your spouse say to you, gosh, it would have been nice to spend time with you. You were on the phone the whole time. Did you know that's a lot like the Holy Spirit? He's with us all the time. And according to Ephesians chapter four, verse 30, is that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, you don't grieve an it, you grieve a person. And God is uh, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is a person. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, the word is given to us. When you ignore him and you're too busy with your distractions, you can grieve the Holy Spirit. I'm guilty of this all the time. I, I don't think it's easy to constantly and continually be filled with the Holy Spirit, but it is possible. And I've noticed in my life, the more I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, the more peace I can give to people, the more calm I can experience in the chaos, the more clarity I can have in the moment, and it's the closer and the closer I look like Jesus Christ. And that's, I think, is what is the mystery that you and I need to get into and understand. Practical things we can do to spend time with God include these things, but they're not limited to them. Please hear me. But it's prayer and worship. Uh, the, the book of Ephesians tells us that in, in the closing verses that we had just read and that prayer and worship, and sometimes you can pray alone and you feel God's presence in a new way. I'd encourage you to do that. Sometimes you can pray with some people and you can feel God's presence in more uniquely and freshly in a new way. Um, sometimes it's just reading God's word and studying and memorizing scripture. I found that when I memorize God's word, I can walk around and do life and in the ordinary moments, that verse is brought to my mind and it brings a brand new meaning and insight and intentional living into my life when I've taken God's word and I've hidden it in my heart. 
to spend more time with God, it just looks like obeying him, following him. The apostle Paul says multiple times, find out what's pleasing to the Lord and go do that. Not, don't just simply obey, but that we're gonna be pleasing to him. The apostle James says, do not be just doers of the word, but be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. We must do something. So is there more than just asking the Father to fill you with the Holy Spirit? Is there more than just spending time? And I believe there is. I believe this one's perhaps the most important. It is to follow the Holy Spirit. He's on the move. And uh, Galatians chapter five, the apostle says, if, if we live by the Spirit, if you're a Christian, if you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, then let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That means you and I, there's a, there's a rhythm that God operates in. There's a harmony that he works within. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're in constant harmony with one another. And the Holy Spirit wants to bring you in a similar harmony, a divine harmony, and a divine pace of life that he wants you to live in. We need to follow the Holy Spirit means we need to look. That means we need to look and see where he's moving and what he's doing. Look into God's word every single day. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you through God's word. Say, God, I want you to speak to me. I feel so confident and clear that the Holy Spirit speaks to me um, when, I, when I tell you these things because most of the time, Bible verses are flooding into my mind. If they were crazy things like, you're getting a brand new car today, or uh, you need to name it and claim it on this or that, I'd tell you, that's not in the Bible. Uh, What's in the Bible are these things like when I first became a Christian. Hey, Ryan, if you want to find your life, you better lose your life. That right there, that that one little phrase saved me a, a whole lifetime of disaster and craziness. I realized right there in that moment when the Holy Spirit spoke to me, I got to lose my life. I've never lost my life. I've always been in control of my life. I do whatever I want to do. Whenever I want to do it, I'm in control. I never realized that becoming a Christian means you've got to surrender it all. I mean, it makes sense. If Jesus is a savior, I can't save myself. Duh, I get it. What did I have? The Holy Spirit. You've got to look to God's word. And sometimes God will bring his word to you even when you don't even memorize it. I didn't know scripture. I didn't know the Bible when I was first a Christian. But the Holy Spirit says, I'm the counselor. I'm the helper. I'm going to bring things to your mind. Maybe they were planted in my mind as a child. But then and there, boom, it comes to reality. For you and me, We can get distracted. We can get off course. And we got to look to God's word. We've also got to look to God's people. What do you look to? You look to godly counsel. You don't look to worldly counsel. You don't go to Barnes and Noble and just focus on the self-help stuff. Why some of that stuff is indication of God's common grace and has usefulness. As St. Augustine said, all truth is God's truth. However, much of that is rooted in humanism and pull yourself up by your own bootstraps does not take into account the power of God, the presence of God, his supernatural intending upon humanity and your own life. You gotta look to godly counsel and God's word. God's people often are referred to as wise counsel. You need wise counsel. Look to wise counsel. See where the Holy Spirit is working in your life. Well, oftentimes in my life, when I've spent time with other believers, I'm like, 
wow, that was divine what that person just said. That really encouraged me. I need to look to godly people. I need to look to God's word. And lastly, you and I have to do this mystical, mysterious, unclear kind of thing and look to the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul says, if we live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. I want to go where God is. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And there's this promise that I've been sealed by the Holy Spirit and that he will reveal things to me. And the Apostle Paul says, and I want you to be filled by the Holy Spirit. And so in that, there's this reality of that we've got to look and see to follow the Holy Spirit, but we also have to listen. You and I have to listen for the Holy Spirit. We talk all the time. We pray all the time. It couldn't be one-way communication. God wants two-way communication. You say to me, where is that in the scriptures? Well, I think of no better place than when God revealed himself to Elijah. And he said, I want to reveal myself to you, Elijah. Go out onto this mountain and And right then, and behold, the Lord passed over him and a great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks. It was a powerful, spectacular moment. But the, and then, and then this wind was there and, but the scripture says, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was this earthquake and the mountains shook and Elijah's freaking out. Oh man, God is powerful and spectacular. And then the scripture says, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then after the earthquake, there was this fire and it, it purged that mountaintop and Elijah, Elijah's freaking out and, and the scripture says, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, it says, there was a still, small voice. My bet is, is most of the time, the Holy Spirit will reveal himself to you and speak to you as you listen to him, not in spectacular display, but in subtle nudgings of the heart, a still, small voice. I do believe in a time like this that God has extra attention upon all your prayers because he knows that you need him now more than ever, perhaps in your lifetime. And it's so important for you to lean in in a time like this and say, I want more of that. I want more of God in my life. And so listen for the Holy Spirit. See what he'll prompt you to do. And then there is this reality you and me need to stop. You need to stop what you're doing. In Psalms 37, 7, it says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently. Waiting is probably the most frustrating thing. I heard somebody just today say, I I don't want to go to Costco and wait in all those lines. I'm like, well, then you ain't getting no hand sanitizer, toilet paper, or Lysol. So nobody wants to wait. So that's what you get. The Bible says, be still before the Lord and wait. I hate that. There's always a divine delay in God's timing. He, he, he positions us, why? Because he wants us to be desperate before him because he wants us to be like needy children calling upon him for help in our time of need. Psalm 62, five says, for God alone, oh my soul, I wait in silence for my hope is from him. Many of you need to stop what you're doing today and make it a regular practice. You stop And you start to sit there in silence and say, God, speak to me. And a still, small voice. And I think in those moments, that's how you follow the Holy Spirit and are filled with the Holy Spirit. So what happens if you're continually filled with the Holy Spirit? Here's what happens. I've made a list. 
you will better live like Jesus, according to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. You will better live in his light, according to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. You will more wisely live in crazy times, according to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. You will make better use of your time, according to Ephesians 5, 16. You will better understand what the Lord's will is, according to Ephesians 5, 17. You won't want to get drunk on wine, according to Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. You will want to fill your life up with more prayer and worship. You'll want more harmony in your home. You'll have a greater attitude of gratitude. You'll go easier on others. You're more easily going to submit to godly leadership all according to Ephesians chapter 5 verses 19 through 21. That's what the Apostle Paul is getting at. You're going to experience more victory over demonic opposition according to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. You'll receive more spiritual gifts to use in his church according to 1 Corinthians chapter Chapter 12, verse 11. You're going to gain more understanding of God's revelation in your life, according to Ephesians 1.17. You'll be able to live a higher level of holiness in your life, according to Romans chapter 8.13. You will become more fruitful in your spiritual life, according to Galatians 5.22. You'll see more answers to prayers according to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. You'll see more fruitfulness at work, at home, at church, and all of life according to Zechariah 4, 6. And you're definitely going to experience more peace and less stress according to Romans 8, 6, who says, set the mind on the spirit, which is life and peace. Amen. Jesus said this. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. My encouragement to you in this time as you call out on the Prince of Peace for your help, that you ask God, the Holy Spirit, to fill you up. So let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I pray now that we would experience more of your peace in the midst of this pandemic. That we, Lord, we would give you our stress and take more of your spirit. And Father, for all those that are watching today and they are being revealed of their great sin and their great need to make this trade, giving you their stress, giving you their sin, I pray that they would do that today. That they would turn to you today and pray something like this. Heavenly Father, I come to you and I acknowledge my sin. I believe Jesus Christ can forgive me of my sin. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord and I want him to reign and to rule. Fill me with faith. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Bible says if you prayed a prayer like that, that you're born again and the angels in heaven rejoice. And for all of us, we can rest assured that when we lean into God and receive more of his spirit, it gives us more peace. To Christ be the glory in the North Valley. This is Pastor Ryan. I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give today at northvalleychurch.org.